Today we are beginning a new series on building healthy relationships. We're going to be covering that um, the rest of uh, this month, uh, each Sunday this month. And I want to start today by looking at the most important relationship in your life, which is your relationship to God. I want to talk today about becoming best friends with God. How do you become best friends with God? And I think when we ask that question... The first thing we got to start by, wait, I didn't check. Is everyone ready to go? Because we're, we're going. Okay, cool. All right. I just want to make sure we're all good here. All right. When we ask that question, how do you become best friends with God? I think the, the question behind the heart of that matter is this. What kind of relationship does God really want with you? You ever thought about that? What kind of relationship does God want with you? Because there's all kinds of aspects to your relationship to God. He's your father. He's your creator. He's your maker. He's your judge. He's your master, your Lord, savior, redeemer, many, 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 many other things. But I think one of the most shocking things about the Christian faith and about the message in the Bible is this. God wants you for a friend. God wants you for a friend. James 4, 8 says this, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. God wants a relationship, even a friendship, with you. And when we want to know what relationship with God is like, what it should be like, we have to go back to the very beginning of time, to the ideal, original relationship between God and humans in Eden. The Bible says that Adam and Eve enjoyed close intimate friendship with God. And God actually delighted in them, and they delighted in God. There was no religion. They didn't join a religion to hang out with God. There was no rituals. There was no rules, except for one. There was one rule, right, which ended up getting broken. But they didn't have all those things between them and God. It was a friendship. They walked with God, and they enjoyed God, and they were made to live in God's presence continually. Did you know that you were made to live in God's presence continually? You were made for that same sort of relationship, but that ideal, as you keep reading after the first two and into the third chapter of Genesis, the very beginning, of, that ideal got broken by sin. Rebellion against God, turning against His ways, that broke the relationship, that broke the friendship, that broke the closeness. And sin brought distance between humans and God. It brought separation between humans and God. And friendship with God was lost. And if you keep reading and you go through the Old Testament, about two-thirds of the way through this book until we get to Jesus, there's not many people who were called God's friend. It's kind of interesting when you think about it. Abraham was called the friend of God. Moses was a friend of God and talked to him. David was a man after God's own heart. The Bible says Enoch was a friend of God. Job was a friend of God. But not many other people, not many people in general, were, had a personal friendship with God. And in fact, most of the time, the relationship between God and humans is characterized by guilt and fear instead of friendship and love. If you look at the Old Testament, the priests in the Old Testament... In order to interact with God, they had to prepare. They had to 
clean and prepare themselves. They had to take weeks to get ready. And there was a, there was a temple and there, the holiest part in the temple where the priests would go and meet with the presence of God. It's called the Holy of Holies. And there was a veil that separated that room from every, the rest of the temple, the outer court. And one priest, one day, once a year, could go in and meet with God. You couldn't just go in any time and meet with God whenever you wanted to. It was one person, one day, once per year. But when Jesus shows up, he changed everything. In fact, that's why Jesus came, was to change everything. Jesus, when he died on the cross, when he paid the ultimate price for our sins... The Bible says the veil between the Holy of Holies and the rest of the temple was torn in two. And you know what that was? That's a symbolism that the separation from God is no more. You want to know why Christians get excited and why we sing, why we're so happy as the band was singing here besides them being awesome today? Because they were really good. But besides that, we're singing because there's not that separation between us and God anymore. Jesus closed the gap. Amen? Yeah. Jesus closed the gap. He made that bridge. He gives us access to God. And so now there's no more separation. And everybody, because Jesus came, everybody had access. It wasn't one priest, one day per year. But now anybody could have God's presence in their life all the time. Direct access was available. You didn't need a priest to go between you and God. You didn't need anybody else. You could go directly to God. I want to read a scripture from Romans. I'm going to be reading a lot of scriptures today, um, and they'll all be up on the screen here. Romans 5, 10 through 11 says this, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, that's Jesus, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful New relationship with God. See, it wasn't always this way. Jesus changed how we relate to God. We can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. You can't do anything to earn this. You can't perform for God. You can't be good enough. You can't buy it. You can't bargain with God. You can't do anything. The only thing you can do is receive God's gift that Jesus paid for, which is the forgiveness of your sins and a relationship that's restored with God. And the Bible also says in Romans that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus changed everything. John 15, 15, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and says, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. I no longer call you servants. Instead, I have called you friends. The God who made the cosmos, everything you see and hear and sense, every great food that you've tasted, the God that made all of that, wants you for a friend. He wants you for a friend. 
And in the original language that this is written in the Greek, it's not a casual acquaintance word for friend. It's a friend for, it's, it's a word for a deep, close, personal comrade. It's, it's kind of like a word you would use for your best man at a wedding. The person you depend on most. Or another way you could use it is if, if a king, in a king's court, if he had an inner circle of friends. That's the kind of friendship that God wants with you. Now, think about it. If you walked into a royal court, king and queen are sitting there. You're not going to just like walk right up to the queen and be like, hey, what's up? How you guys doing? Pat them on the back, do the funky handshake, whatever it is. You're not going to do that, right? There's protocol. There's etiquette. You got to bow. You got to keep your distance. You don't get that kind of close access. But if you're in the king and queen's inner circle of friends, you get close contact, you get direct access, and you get confidential information because you're close to the king. The king of all wants you for a friend. And how important is this to God? Amen, amen, brother. Brother J over there, getting a victory. <laughs> How important is this friendship to God? It's extremely important. We're reading another scripture from Exodus 34, 14. It says, You must worship no other gods, for the Lord, whose very name is Jealous, is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. Did you know God gets jealous? When we give our lives to other things, when we put other things in our lives in the place that only God can have in our lives, whether it's the God of money, the God of sex, God of popularity, God of power, God of success, any God that we bring in instead of God, it breaks God's heart when we bring other gods into our lives. Another verse from Hosea the prophet, chapter 6, verse 6 in the Living Bible Translation says this. And it's as if God is speaking. It says, I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. I want you to know me. Can you hear the passion, as it were, in God's voice for you to know him? And for you to love him. I would say that if you miss that, you miss the number one purpose of your life. Because God didn't put you here on this planet just to do things. He didn't put you here just to do things, to accomplish things, to check things off the productivity list for however many years you have. Whether it's 100 or 70 or 25 you're not here just to do things, but he put you here to know him and to love him. Amen? If you miss that relationship with him while you're here on this earth, if you miss that friendship, you miss the very purpose that you were made for. Nothing is more important than that. You can be the most famous, the most successful, the most accomplished person on the planet, but if you missed that friendship and that relationship with God, you missed the purpose and the point of your life. In fact, 
God prepared the entire universe, gave us this planet, made it livable, and gave us time, and orchestrated history so that we could come to know him and be his friends. I want to read a a paraphrase from the message version. Acts 17 says this. Acts 17, 26 and 27. Paul is preaching in a sermon to people who don't yet know the gospel. And he says this. Starting from scratch, he made the entire human race and made the earth hospitable. That means we can live on it. It's livable. With plenty of time and space for living. So, why? So we could seek after God. And not just grope around in the dark, but actually find Him. God's number one plan and purpose for your life is that you would know Him and that you would love Him. So if that's true, how is this possible? God's invisible. We're visible. God's infinite. We're finite. We're limited. God's perfect, we're flawed. We make mistakes. How can an infinite, perfect being, how can we have a friendship, we as finite, flawed creatures? It's only, only through Jesus. Though we were far from God, the message, the hope of the gospel was that Jesus came to reconcile us to God. And when guilt and fear or denial has been what has characterized our relationship with God, Jesus came to make us friends of God. The good news is that this is what you were made for and that Jesus was willing to go and do anything, even lose his own life in order to to make that possible. So, for the rest of this time, um, I want to share with you guys, just from the scriptures, I want to go through five uh, steps in building that friendship with God. It's only through Jesus. It's what we were made for. It's only by His grace. But I want to talk about five ways that we can build that friendship with God. There could be 18. There could be 97. I'm going to talk about five. Is that right? How to build a friendship with God. Maybe you're here and you're not a believer. Maybe you're here because one of your friends invited you and you lost a bet and you're here. <laughs> or maybe you're here and you've known God your whole life, but you still don't feel like you're a friend of God. Whatever it is, how do you build that friendship with God? And I'm coming to you not as one who's a perfect friend of God. <laughs> That's not me. That's not my message and my hope to you is not is not me. But I do, I have walked with the Lord and I do count God as my friend and it's by His grace. And I want to share what I've seen. I want to share what can all help us to grow in God. Is that all right? Is that all right? All right. Number one, make knowing God my number one priority. Make knowing God my number one priority. You're never going to become a friend of God in your spare time. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek, do it first before anything else. So a lot of you know this, but I've been married to my lovely wife, Hannah, for about nine months now. And um, yeah, nine months. (laughs) And um, I love so much about her and about her marriage. But there's one 
there's, there's a few things that I really, really like. And one of those is, has been this. That every morning when we, make, when we wake up, make up. <laughs> every morning when we make up from the fight. I'm glad she's not in here right now. Serving the kids over there. Every morning when we wake up, we pray for each other. It's one of the first things we do every morning. She prays for me. I pray for her. We go to work. Even before, when we were dating, I would call her when I was on my way to work, and I would pray for her. She would pray for me. Why do we do that? Because we want God in our lives first, from the very beginning of the day. <laughs> well, at least it's more memorable now. All right. I heard a pastor who does this every morning on the side of the bed when he wakes up. Before he does it, even if it's just a split second, he says, God, if I don't get anything else done today, I want to know you better and love you more. I want to know you better and love you more. Because if that happens, the day is a success. doesn't matter how bad the day went. But if I know God better and I love him more, the day was a success. But if that doesn't happen that day. doesn't matter how much success I had, how many profits I made, whatever went right my way. If that doesn't happen, I miss the purpose of my life for that day. Philippians 3.8 in the New Living Translation says this, Paul speaking, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. Everything else I count as garbage, as dung, so that I may gain Christ. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, You will seek me and find me when? When you seek me, how? With all your heart. Let me ask you today, are you doing that? Are you seeking God with all your heart? One of the hard truths is you're going to become a friend of God when you want to become a friend of God. If you're taking notes, write this down. I'm as close to God as I choose to be. I'm as close to God as I choose to be. Now, I know some of you would say, hey, 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 hey. Isn't God sovereign? Isn't it God that draws us? Isn't it God that saves us and guides us and draws us to himself? Yes. Yes. No one comes to the Father except the Holy Spirit draws him. But we also have a responsibility in our relationship with God to engage with God. We're not helpless. We don't have, we are responsible. If you want to grow in your friendship with God, you will. God says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And you can't blame anyone else. You can't blame your wife, your husband, your parents, your kids, your friends, co-workers. You can't blame anyone else. You're as close to God as you want to be. And if you feel far from God, it's not because he moved. Right? He's still here. He's still here. Pastor uh, Rick Warren says this quote, and I think it's so succinct and beautiful. It says this, knowing and loving God is our greatest privilege and being known and loved by God is our greatest pleasure. So number one, we got to make knowing God my number one priority. Number two, 
slow down and be quiet. Not right now. You don't have to be super quiet. Here's the thing. In this way, a friendship with God is like any other friendship. You have to make time for it. If you don't make time for your human friends, they're not your friends. <laughs> you make time for your friends, right? Or at least you feel bad for it and then you schedule a time and you make time for your friends. Right? But if God's going to be your best friend, you've got to give your best time to God. Psalms 46.10, he says, Be still and know that I am God. Slow down. Be quiet. Spend time with God. Psalm 25, 14 says this, Friendship with God is reserved for those who reverence Him. With them alone, He shares the secrets of His promises. I feel like most people don't know about God, don't know how He acts, don't know what He's up to, what He does, how He's at work in the world. Why? Because friendship with God is reserved for those who reverence Him. Who spend time with God. This means slowing down. Be still. Sit down. Be quiet. Read God's word. And just say, God, is there anything you want to show to me? Is there anything you want to say to me? It doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be all flowery and fancy. It's just slowing down and being quiet and spending time with the presence of God. What would a friend be if you never spent time with them? Not a friend. <sighs> right? You never have God as a best friend if all we do is just come to church services or all we do is just spend time with each other. We've got to spend time with God. Slow down and take time to talk with God authentically. I want to read another uh, paraphrased verse from the message. Matthew 6. Jesus speaking in the Sermon on the Mount. It says, And when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. And the focus will shift from you to God. And you'll begin to sense His grace. If we're going to build a friendship with God, we've got to slow down and be quiet. And spend time with God. Third point. Everyone still with me? All right. Third point. Decide whose friendship you want most. Decide whose friendship you want most. You don't have time for everybody to be your friend. And if everybody else is going to be your friend, you're not going to have time for God in your life. And being friends with God is going is going to make you an enemy of some people. You've got to decide who you want most to be your best friend. You can know all kinds of things in the world, but if you don't know God, you're missing the point. You can know every top 40 lyric. <laughs> you can know all the stock prices and you can really know how to make money. You can know how to make any recipe. You can, you can know the celebrities and who's hot and who's not. But if you don't know God, you're missing out. 
Think about that. How can we miss a relationship and fellowship with God if he says, this is what I made you for and this is what I want? It's easy. We care about something else. We care about something else more. May I suggest that if you feel like you're not a friend of God, maybe there's something else in your life that that you're holding on to more. Maybe you're missing the relationship that you were designed for with your creator. James 4.4 says this. So, you're not loyal to God. You should know that loving the world is the same as hating God. Anyone who wants to be a friend of the world becomes God's enemy. Wait a second. (laughs) Did you guys read that with me? (laughs) Did you see that, what I saw? I thought... All right, I thought the most popular verse was this. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's football season. We ought to see that more now on the screen. People holding it up. So I thought God said we're supposed to love the world, but in John, but in James, it says, if I love the world, I'm hating God. Here's the deal. It's talking about, in John 3, 16, it says, God so loved the world. It's talking about the people of the world. And in James 4, it's talking about the value system of the world. God has called us to love the people of the world, but to hate the value system of the world. And we go wrong as Christians when we get it opposite. When we say, you know what, I'm going to take from the value system of the world. I'm going to take from materialism. And I'm going to find my value in my prestige. I'm going to find my value in my social status. I'm going to I'm going to love the possessions I have. I'm going to love image and prestige and prominence. But I don't care about the people who are suffering and marginalized and oppressed. And I don't care about being holy as God calls us to. God says, when we love what the world loves, we're hating what God loves. If we're going to be friends of God, we've got to love the people like he does, but hate the value system like he does. If you want to be my friend, friends value what friends value. And as we walk in a friendship with God, what's important to God becomes important to us. And we begin to care about what God cares about and not care about what God doesn't care about. One example. God doesn't care about image. God's not primarily concerned with your reputation and what others think about you. But God does care about your character. God does care about your character and who you're becoming and how you're growing in your relationship with Him so that you can reflect His character to others and bless them. You see that? And the more we're friends of God, we begin to care less about our reputation and what others think of us or if we're persecuted for our faith. And we begin to think more about what pleases God and what He's doing in my life. Amen? Amen. Here's another verse. It's kind of a whopper. All right. John 15, 14. You are my friends if you do what I command. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) That's not how my other friendships work. (laughs) What's going on here? This This is Jesus. This is the verse right before he said, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. He's speaking to his disciples. You're my friends if you do what I command. If you obey me. Wait, what kind of friendship is that? Well, look. We're friends of God. We're called into a friendship with God, but we're not equal with God. We're not equal. In no way are we equal to God. 
In fact, when Adam and Eve took the fruit, it wasn't a sin because it was this great fruit. It was a sin because they, the serpent said, if you take that, you'll be like God. You'll have the knowledge of good and evil. You can decide for yourself what's right and wrong. And that was the sin. Wanting to be God in their own lives. But when Jesus came to, to fix what went wrong through sin, he brings us back to, hey, you're my friends if you obey me. Not because I like to boss you around, but because I know what's best for you. Not because I'm no fun and I don't want you to have fun either. <laughs> but because I know what's best for you. We're friends of God. We're not equal to God. If I was friends with a king, we may be close. We may high five. I may tell some jokes and the king would laugh. <laughs> but I'm still not the king. Right? And if he gives an order, I'm still a subject to the king. Even though he's my friend. What am I saying? I can't say I love Jesus and then go out and live like the devil. I can't say I'm a Christian and then go out and live a self-centered life. I can't say I'm a follower of Jesus and then pick and choose which verses I want to listen to and which ones I want to ignore. Jesus says, you're my friend if you obey me. We're not earning, we're not earning a friendship with him by obedience. Because Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. It's by his grace that we're brought into this friendship. But we have been saved so that we can obey God. And been empowered by the Spirit so we can obey God. Why do we obey God? I feel like people outside of the church get this wrong a lot. Oh, you have to obey God. You're a Christian. You do it out of guilt, or you do it out of fear, or for whatever reason, you just have to obey God. And I don't want to do that, so I don't want to be a Christian. No, I don't, I don't do any of those things. Why do I obey God? Because He loves me. He loves me unlike you or anyone else is ever, ever going to love me. He loves me so much He died for me to save me. The Bible says the only reason love is even in the world is because God is love. We obey God out of love because He loves us and saves us. Amen? Amen. Amen. When I was in high school... Um, I grew up in a, in a Christian uh, home and had a relationship with God from a young age and I just, just really had a, I don't know, I, just, I wanted to please God, I wanted to obey God and um, so I didn't, I didn't go to uh, a bunch of the parties and do a lot of stuff that was going on in high school but I knew about it and I had a friend who um, senior year, I don't know if it was the first day or the first week of senior year, he came up to me and said, hey, hey Kenny, like, yeah, yeah, what's up? I'm sure I wasn't that cool. I didn't sound that cool in high school. Yeah, what's up, bro? Um, I was like, hey, Kenny, I've got a goal for this year. It's our senior year, all right? I'm like, okay, yeah, what is it? He's like, by the end of the year, you're going to be drunk at one of our parties. I'm like, I'm, I'm glad you're setting high goals for yourself, Nick. <laughs> so, just kidding, I didn't say that. It wasn't, that would have been really self-righteous. 
No, but and here's the thing. He would call me. He would call me on Friday nights. I would get drunk dialed. 1 a.m., 2 a.m. He would tell me, hey, I think you could really hook up with her, blah, blah, blah. Hey, we're over here. And I didn't go. I didn't go to one of his parties. But it wasn't because of guilt or fear or I was afraid of my parents or anything else. It's because I didn't want to. I didn't want to go. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Christians don't get tempted. I'm not saying Christians don't sin. We get tempted. We want to sin sometimes. We do sin. I sin. But God had done something in my heart where I didn't want to. Someone said it this way. I take all the drugs I want to take. (laughs) I get as drunk as many times as I want to. I sleep around with all the women I want to. Here's the thing. Jesus changed my want to. I don't want to do those things. Things that seem shiny, but they're really just cheap. And they don't lead to a closer relationship to God and to other people in my life. They take me down. Why do we obey God? Because His way is best and it's for our joy. Amen? And being a friend with God, we're going to come into opposition with people and value systems that don't value what God values. And the Bible says we have to decide whose friendship we want most. When I think I, bet, I know better how to live than God, I'm always in trouble. <laughs> Number four, maintain a constant conversation. We're not going to build a relationship with God if we just talk to Him when we're here on the weekends. We've got to talk to God all the time. And actually, it's not even that we've got to talk to God all the time. We get to talk to God literally all the time. Like a running conversation with God. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says this. Pray sometimes. Oh. Pray in the mornings. Pray evenings after seven. No. Pray continually. Pray all the time. I know Muslims believe we're supposed to pray to God five times a day and do that very devoutly, but Christians are called to pray to God literally all the time. Did you know that you can talk to God all the time? Did you know that I'm talking to God right now while I'm talking to you? Don't believe me? You've done that, haven't you? You've had a conversation with someone, but you're having a conversation back here too. You can do that with God too. He's with us. He's always with us. That relationship is there. The old, the old songs say he's as close as the mention of his name. Let me ask you, would your life be better if you prayed as much as you text? Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't supposed to hurt. I, don't, <laughs> I feel like somebody, I like punched somebody right now. <laughs> would it be better or not? Yes. If you prayed to God as much as you text. Because think about it, when you're texting, what are you doing? You're just keeping the conversation going. Hey, what's up? Not much. How's your face? Well, that's great. How's your face? Oh, I had lunch. It was good. <laughs> Going back to work. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> oh, I had lunch. It was great. What if we just kept that conversation going with God? That's one of the things I love about the relationship I have with God that Jesus has purchased for and given me is that I can talk to God all the time no matter what I'm going through. 
If I'm in a bad mood or if I just said something I definitely should not have said, I can talk to God about it first. God, help me. (laughs) Help me. (laughs) Whatever it is. Isn't that good news? We can talk to God all the time. You don't have to close your eyes and bow your head all the time. Especially if you're driving to work. (laughs) Don't want to do that. But we can talk to God all the time. Number five. And this is one of the most important. Trust God in your pain. Trust God in your pain. Every friendship is built on trust. If you don't trust somebody, they're not your friend. You can talk to an acquaintance all day, but your trust is reserved for a friend. And that's true with God too. We've got to trust Him. When things don't make sense, when, what you're, when your life is getting out of control, falling apart, when it feels like you're sinking and you're not going to come back up, we've got to trust Him in our pain. Here's the thing, y'all. Evil and suffering is in this world. None of us can deny that. All of us as human beings experience that. And many say they can't believe in God because of the evil and suffering that they've experienced. And Christians, don't get me wrong, we don't have cookie-cutty... (laughs) Cookie-cutty? Cookie-cutter. Cookie-cutty answers. All right, now back with me. Christians, we may not have easy answers for why there's evil and suffering or why you're going through what you're going through, but we do have a great hope. And I believe we have the greatest hope of any of the worldviews that are out there. Because we may not know why God allows evil and suffering, but we do know that it's not because He doesn't love us. That's what the cross shows us. When we look at the cross, that's the God of the universe who didn't shun our suffering or walk away from it, but He walked right into it. And took it on himself. What we see at the heart of the Christian faith is the darkest moment of human history. When creatures took their God and put him to death. The darkest moment of human history. God was entering our suffering. And this had to happen so that the best news in history could go forth. When we thought all hope was lost and it had gone all haywire and God was nowhere, God was working His plan for our good. God was defeating sin so we could have life. God was taking distance, taking the distance on Himself, Jesus did, so that we could be close to God. He was ripping that veil. That's what He did. So I don't know what you're going through, but I do know that you can trust Him. And if you do, you will see that He will redeem every bit of suffering in your life. Psalm 55, 22 says this, Cast your cares on the Lord and He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Cast doesn't mean like fishing line. It means drop it. Drop it. I don't know what you're going through, but I know something that will help. Drop it before God. Trust Him. The more honest with God you are, the deeper your friendship with God will be. Here's the thing, y'all. He can handle your questions. 
God can handle your tears. He can handle you complaining. He can handle accusations. He looks at that and doesn't think, oh wow, that's audacious. No, he says, that's authentic. That's what's going on in your heart. You know, when you read the book of Psalms, there's 150 Psalms. And about a third of them are Psalms of lament. It means the writer's just saying, God, this sucks. God, I don't like it. God, get me out of it. God's not thrown off by that. He can handle that. But if you're going to have a deep friendship with God, you've got to be honest with Him. You've got to bring it to Him. Even just bring it to Him as an act of trust. You don't have to be fancy. You don't have to use great words. You just need to be honest. And, and bitterness is the number one enemy of friendship with God. And what we have to do to combat that is to trust in God. Some of us today need to admit to God, you've just been hurting and angry. And we need to trust Him in our pain. Amen? Amen. I want to wrap in just a few minutes with this, but hopefully I've given you guys some, some kind of tools that we can use in, in, in building a friendship with God. But as I end, I don't want to just stop here because if I do, I think... The wrong impression might be that it depends on you and your performance before God in order to make yourself a great friend of God. Um, But that would be the wrong impression. And the reason the gospel is so good and the reason that I'm here preaching it with joy and conviction is because the opposite of that is true. Because we never get it done perfectly. We never do it all the way right, but there is someone who did. There is someone who did it all perfectly, and he did it for you. In the beginning, I said Jesus came to reconcile us with God, to make us friends with God, to bring this new relationship with God. And I want to look just briefly at what he did and how he did everything that I just talked about. Jesus came to reconcile us to God and he made knowing God his number one priority. The Bible says Jesus only did what he saw the Father do and only said what he heard the Father say. Jesus slowed down and was quiet. Did you know he got away and prayed to the Father all the time? There were some times, the Bible says, the disciples couldn't find him because <laughs> he was off praying to God. Jesus did that. Decide whose friendship you want most. Jesus didn't go after worldly influence and power. He wasn't corrupt. He stood for justice and righteousness. And he lived perfectly and obeyed God perfectly, even though it got him crucified. He decided whose friendship he wanted most. Maintain constant conversation. Jesus always prayed, and he showed us and taught us how to pray to God as a father. And trust in God in your pain. Jesus said, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And on the cross, when he was forsaken by God because of our sin, not his. Jesus said, my God, why have you forsaken me? He went through that so that instead of being forsaken by God, you and I could be forgiven by God and restored. Amen? And become friends of God. And when you look at building a friendship with God and see everything that it requires, 
You've got to see this, that Jesus has already done it all perfectly for you. To pursue you. And to make you a friend of God. And that will change your heart. That, when we believe that, the Holy Spirit will empower us, give us power to become friends of God by His grace. Amen? All right, I'm done. I want to say a quick prayer and then I want to give a few instructions for the end as we um, just kind of wrap up this time together. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much. Lord, we just take a moment to say thank You. God, every one of us here has sinned. Every one of us here has known what it means to feel distant and to be distant from you. To be very far from you. And Lord, the Bible says that we all know what it's like to be your enemy. Doing things our own way, rejecting you and rebelling against you. But how beautiful it is, Lord, this message of hope. That even while we were your enemies, God. That Jesus, you died for us. To bring us near. To make us friends. Lord, I pray that this word today. That everyone who's heard it. Would consider what it means to be your friend. Would consider that you long for that. For their lives. God, I pray that. If there are those here today that have never believed on you, God, that you would quicken hearts. Let faith arise in their hearts to say, I believe in Jesus. I want to turn from sin. And God, if there's people in here today that have known you but felt distant, I pray that they would be reminded of your grace that brings us near. God, if there's people today that are hurting and are bitter and are angry at you, God, I pray for reconciliation today. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much. Thank you for the joy we have in friendship with you. Thank you for the life that you give us. God, thank you that it means so much to know that we can always constantly talk to you, to bring everything before you, and to see you work it together for our good and for your purposes. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.